0: Hello, and welcome to the Payments Hub podcast with TIS. My name is Kate Pohl from Senior Advisory. I'm joined today by Eleanor Hill, Editor at Treasury Management International. During today's discussion, we'll be talking about Treasury with a focus on ESG, environmental, social, and governance. ESG. These are terms that everybody's talking about, but frankly, not many of us truly understand what ESG means or really means or only a small part of it.
1: Hi Kate so it's great to be here with you today thank you so much for inviting me on to talk about one of my pet topics uh, ESG <laughs> I will hopefully help to demystify it a little bit for everyone listening certainly explain how treasurers can get involved and, and what their next steps might to be might be I'm looking forward to this discussion but it's my first time on the other side of the podcasting mic. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, sit back and enjoy the ride. Okay. I mean, you talked about when you got out of college, you you did some work in finance, but mm-hmm. you know how how did that happen? And then how did you really get interested and involved in treasury?
1: yeah it's it's an interesting one so i'm the finance i just absolutely fell into um but when i was working in london at the private private wealth management firm um everything changed for me so completely honestly i never set out to have a career in treasury (laughs) it was not one of those things that i thought i i must be writing about treasury you know it it was born out of kind of personal circumstances um i'm very comfortable talking about this because i think it might be interesting for the audience and it also links to the theme of diversity and inclusion which we'll probably touch on a little bit later mm-hmm. so um wind back to me being 25 um working at the private wealth management firm and i was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is it's, it's not the kind of arthritis that your grandma has um, it's an autoimmune disease so essentially your immune system mistakenly recognizes the lining of your joints as an invader and it starts to attack those tissues so the kind of result of that is severe joint pain and swelling but you also get chronic fatigue from your body kind of constantly fighting itself um, so when i received the diagnosis at that point i was commuting, it was two and a half hours each way to the office every day. I thought, okay, this is never gonna happen. And I realized that I needed to change my whole career. Essentially, I needed to look for something much closer to home and careers that I could potentially do remotely in the future and while I was working at the private wealth management firm I had done some writing for their their client magazine so this was going out to investors etc mm-hmm. so I thought oh, okay I'll have a look at writing because that might be something <laughs> that you know I could, I could do from home I could just sit with a laptop and that would be fine um, and I started searching and I happened upon an advert for an editorial assistant at treasury today and um, the company is based in sandwich in Kent and my parents live about one mile from sandwich in kent uh so yeah the rest is history and, and that's how it happened oh, wow. so it certainly wasn't a plan but i haven't looked back since it's been uh, about you know coming up for 15 years now so
0: wow but i think some of the best things in life are, are not those that we plan oh so. absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, well, so I I guess I guess you don't cry every night about not being in that office uh, (laughs) doing doing
1: Uh, doing finance.
0: I I I won't I won't force you to
1: answer. Oh my god, absolutely not. It's quite funny because I I'm such an introvert, so I love my own space. I'm way more productive when I'm at home. Um, when the pandemic happened I was just like oh this is great I you know I've got the perfect excuse not to have to go anywhere not to have to interact with people so for me not being in an office is absolutely ideal and I I kind of keep my own hours as well. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, and I, I kind of keep my own hours as well, so I don't necessarily write nine to five. Um, sometimes I'll take the dog for a walk in an afternoon, and then I'll I'll wake up at four a.m. and I'll do my writing then, and that works brilliantly for me, not being <laughs> in an office.
0: Okay, got it. That that sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, one day I'll tell you my story of going freelance. There's there's <laughs> there's a few parallels there too. But what are or are there Silver linings.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll I'll try not to ponder the human condition here too much. (laughs) (laughs) Just concentrate on treasury. Um, I think as as much as it's a cliche, a crisis kind of always shines the spotlight on treasury and really enables them to demonstrate their value and potentially lobby for a little bit more budget as well um, but from my perspective a lot of treasuries were not used to working remotely and quite a few found that transition a challenge um, but there were definitely silver linings so more or less overnight banks were suddenly happy to accept dematerialized documents no you don't need your physical copy anymore absolutely you know wave that on through um, we also saw systems kind of become the be-all and end-all because that's the only way that people could connect with each other. So Treasury Tech definitely received a lot more attention but i would say that remote working also exposed quite a few flaws in existing treasury processes and workflows um even down to silly things like receiving bank statements in the post and them going to the office and no one being there to receive them and it's like oh why are you still getting physical bank statements you know so when that kind of initial firefighting was done there was a fairly big movement to review and improve ex- existing setups which has been positive so as much as it's you know it's been devastating for many people businesses it it has been a huge catalyst for treasury transformation for sure
0: okay that's uh, excellent uh i'm glad (laughs) you brought out some great examples things that i i think sometimes we don't even think about it's just so absurd as as you know the the delivery of the bank statement and no one there to get it uh, (laughs) and no one there to to actually put it onto the Spreadsheet exactly <laughs> that's exactly. Used, yeah <laughs> exactly, all right. I know that ESG is a topic that you're both very interested and knowledgeable about. But what does ESG really mean? What does it really encompass?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly very interested. I I hope I have a little bit of knowledge that I can share. So we'll see. But yeah, you're right to sort of kick off with a a definition, I guess, of ESG, because honestly, it does have a tendency to be quite wishy-washy. And I think this doesn't help with the perception that it's kind of a, a woke topic. Um, and just a little bit uh, gray rather than green. Um, so the environmental pillar typically addresses issues around the operational footprints. So it's greenhouse gas emissions, landfill waste, water and paper usage, et cetera, et cetera, also suppliers and customers. Social elements, you're looking at things like philanthropy, community work, employee treatment and well-being, diversity and inclusion fits in there, workplace health and safety. And then governance is always a, a little bit kind of forgotten about, um, but that's, I guess, around decision-making, distribution of rights and responsibilities among different stakeholders, regulation, etc. And for treasurers, an interesting one there is the FX Global Code of Conduct. So that's a set of global Mm -hmm. principles of good practice in the foreign exchange market. Um, And there's a movement to try and get more corporates signed up to that. So that's a kind of interesting way that treasurers can engage in that. But it's just important to say here that E, S and G, the three pillars are kind of Often treated separately, but actually they need to be considered as an ecosystem.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, do you think that Treasury and finance are now moving forward um, from a focus primarily on, let's say, green financing and tackling different and often more difficult topics? And yeah. if so, which ones?
1: Oh, so absolutely. So if we, Kate, we're having this chat maybe three years ago esg would have been more or less limited to green bonds and green loans and that's it yes yeah. so now, now we've got a range of evolving solutions so they range from anything from sustainable accounts to green and sustainable deposits sustainable supply chain finance yeah we've got esg compliant mmfs esg linked fx derivatives green trade solutions and the list goes on so you know it's evolved really quickly in a short space of time
0: what should treasury actually then be focusing on when it comes to esg uh what are the benefits and what are the drawbacks so or maybe even a blueprint how do they start
1: yeah, it's kind of that old story of it It you know, really depends on the organization in question. Um, and some companies aren't, just aren't in a position to contemplate ESG at the moment. I think the, the playing field is, is not level at all in that sense. And that's due to resources and also cost, which are some of the downsides of ESG, alongside the risk of reputational damage. That is absolutely huge, both okay. from not doing ESG or doing it wrong, which is the, the greenwashing side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say it's still important to have ESG on the radar, though. I th- hopefully, it will soon become VAU, especially with changing regulations, which we'll no doubt touch on shortly. But if we look at the benefits that you asked about, I would say it's... It's been shown to build better performing companies. So you've got more efficient paperless processes. You've got greater resilience, potentially lower cost of capital if you mm-hmm. meet certain ESG criteria, which is always interesting for treasurers. You can mm-hmm. attract new investors, new customers, improve supply talents yeah new talent exactly so I could help with that pipeline and I did see a study the other day saying that um companies that are kind of really doing well with their ESG tend to pay a bit better so you know so all interesting um But in terms of uh, treasurers and the the starting point, if their companies are kind of active in ESG and they're not yet involved, I would say connect with the sustainability team or whoever's in charge of sustainability and just sort of see where synergies can be made. Um, And conversations are just, you know, the foundation really that kind of includes chatting with banking partners, tech partners, um, because they'll have a, a good deal of knowledge and experience to share from other corporates they've worked with.
0: Fair enough. Um, what about the new but possibly niche topics? I mean, something that I was looking into green payments or green transaction services, um, something that came across my desk and I had not really heard of it before.
1: Yeah, it's funny. So I started hearing about this in the last, I would say, three or four months. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it came up at Cybos as well. So it's it's a very early stage idea I think at the moment it's still being defined and that the term means different things to different people so For example, we've got some of the card issuers offering rewards on sustainable purchases. We've got certain banks and fintechs looking to mine payments data for sustainable spending habits to help inform decision making. Mm -hmm. There's another arm to it as well, which I'm hearing just hearing about at the moment. I don't know of anything concrete, but there's a kind of call for technology to help pinpoint The carbon footprint of certain payment methods. So, you know, all digital payments still have a carbon footprint due to computing power. Um, and a few of the corporates I've spoken to are actually looking for a tool to tell them the optimal route for sending a specific payment. So it's not only like obviously the cost and the speed, but also the sustainability and sort of uh, stacking up those against each other. So I think that's an area to watch, in my opinion, especially as blockchain payments and CBDCs gain traction as well.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Beyond what's going on from a Treasury point of view, uh, and the word you just mentioned actually is regulation. So what do you think is needed in terms of regulation and indeed what's already happening? Uh, Could you please perhaps look at or discuss a few of the key initiatives?
1: I will. I'll try to <laughs> without sending anyone to sleep. It's it's an absolute minefield at the moment. So across the globe, there are over 500 pieces of regulation looking, wow. at, yeah, looking at some element of ESG or other. And as you know all too well, many of them are 600 or so pages long. Mm. Um, but I will single out three maybe that are kind of pertinent for our audience. So First one I would single out is uh, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, CSRD, and that the EU Council's just announced its final approval of this. And it's kind of the the last major step in that overhaul and expansion of corporate sustainability reporting in the EU. So the rules begin applying from the start of 2024 for large companies, and then there's various other milestones down to SMEs in 2026. Uh, And it's kind of a disclosure under a common framework um, with a set of standards that have been revealed by FRAG and companies going to be required to report on issues around environmental sustainability and also social rights and human rights. So that one's coming. Uh, There's also the quick quick
0: question. I've got to start for one second. Isn't that going to create, you know, many, many new jobs for consultants and banks? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah the consultants consultants are absolutely loving it okay. um, so the, the more regulation the better and yeah the, the banks are are very busy as well um but you know it's, a, it's an opportunity for treasurers too because they've traditionally done all of the well been involved in at least with the wider finance department around financial reporting and they are being looked to to get involved in this non-financial reporting, purely because they're they're so used to reporting and what's required. So there's an opportunity there for treasurers as Sorry. well. Sorry,
0: <laughs> I was just being very tongue in cheek, but there you go, okay. You, yes. you, were, you had gotten to Germany, go ahead. Yeah,
1: so the German Supply Chain Act, it comes into force at the start of 2023. Um, And in a nutshell, it's intended to improve international human rights. So it's sort of defining the requirements for responsible supply chain management. Um, there's various elements to it. You've got to establish robust policies and procedures around human rights, et cetera, and uh, report on identified risks. But what's interesting here for treasurers is the potential to use sustainable supply chain finance to actually incentivize suppliers with preferential financing rates to meet those human rights criteria. And obviously it's only in Germany for now, but it's kind of an indication of what's to come, I think. <laughs> Um, And then third and final one I'll mention, and then we move on from regulation (laughs) because it's incredibly dull, um, is around scope three emissions. So these are essentially the carbon emissions produced by your supply chain. So your suppliers Mm -hmm. and International Sustainability Standards Board. So the ISSB, which is a sort of sister organization to the IASB under the IFRS Foundation, which all our treasurers will be familiar with they've voted unanimously to require disclosures around scope three emissions. So basically corporates, will need to be monitoring and reporting on what their suppliers are doing to reduce carbon emissions and what their carbon emissions are. And again, this is an area where incentives through sustainable supply chain finance can be quite helpful.
0: Do you see many of the treasurers trying to get a jumpstart on this? Or are they just sort of you know, following, kicking and screaming here.
1: <laughs> it's really, really varies. It's, it's complete polarization. So there's a handful of treasurers who are absolutely out in front of this. They're all over it. They're kind of changing the rules already. So one treasurer I know has done a sustainable supply chain finance program, and a lot of them are kind of, I guess there's a lot of self-certification, um, a lot of internal measures where this treasurer bought in an external firm and said, no, we're going to kind of do it all properly and really pushing the boundaries of what's going on. Um, but yeah, the other end, I would say the larger end of the spectrum, treasurers are just, they just can't cope with it. They don't know what to mm-hmm. do. Um, it's all quite early stage, so they don't know how to get involved in it. And quite frankly, they don't have the time.
0: Yeah, that's a huge problem. I get more and more questions about how you actually educate yourself. Yeah. Just as a point, do you have any thoughts on that? Any pointers? Any <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Well, I-, I would definitely talk to talk to your peers about it you know that's a a really good starting point so there's certain companies that are very vocal about what they've done around esg and treasury um on the tmi website we've got at least 20 case studies that showcase best practice esg in various different ways um we've also written a guide on responsible treasury which covers all angles of esg and how you integrate Mm. esg into treasury policy it's free you don't even have to register you can just go onto the tmi website and it's there so it's that's quite quite a good starting point but as i said earlier also you know speak to your banks and vendors because they're all looking at this um
0: right. we're yeah. in it together
1: yeah, exactly okay. yeah
0: that's a great hint thanks so what about diversity this is part of esg as well so um what's being done and what could be done and do you have any good stories
1: <laughs> always good stories <laughs> um, yeah so DI and i or DEI definitely falls under the social pillar of ESG um, and in my personal opinion it's, it's kind of critical to building a robust workforce and also supply chain so we're seeing some corporates build diversity into their supply chains by committing to buy x amount of goods from minority-owned suppliers for example or women-owned businesses so that's an interesting step forward that we're seeing more of. There's also um, some good things happening in the investment world um, to support diversity. So there's a company called C Note, which is capital C, capital N O T E, um, which is a women-led certified B corporation, and it essentially uses technology to foster greater economic and racial justice through investment. So it's really exciting to to see all of this happening. And there's also lots going on in the recruitment space. So treasurers themselves really trying to push forward and get rid of all of those biases that we've had in the past. So we're seeing things like blind recruitment where you don't get the details on the CV um, and that helps to cut out biases around age, gender, ethnicity, disability, so yeah, lots happening. And uh Wow. Yeah.
0: That's that's a great step forward. It's good to hear that it's uh, you know, you read about it, but I'm glad to hear that you've actually seen it happening. So we've talked about finance and treasury, but what about the banks? So what is their contribution other than yeah. say knowledge or yeah. you know, chatting with them and what should it be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a tough one. Um so I'll kind of, I guess I'll cover ESG more broadly and also a little bit on DNI and i here. Um, but I mean, the banks are doing a lot themselves in the transition to net zero, for example, and, and absolutely kind of commend them for that. They're also working hard to create sustainable solutions for treasurers as quickly as humanly possible. And I know some treasurers are, are really pushing them to think outside the box there. But I would say that there's definitely some sort of push back from treasurers happening at the moment. They're getting a little bit fed up with some of the ESG solutions, feeling like they're potentially just relabeled old products being wheeled out as new ones <laughs> uh surely not and uh that maybe the the esg onus is too much on the corporate with the bank not really doing much to earn the esg badge from their side so yeah i think we'll maybe see a little bit of a reshuffle there um and then on the dni side oh, it's you know it, it's so difficult but there were there's still a real lack of female minority and disabled representation, particularly at the executive level in the banks and that Cybos this year it was just it was clearer than ever on on the conference floor. Um, so that that's kind of disappointing. I would like to see more progress there. Um, and treasurers can actually play their part there. They can request that the bank teams they deal with are diverse. You know, it can be part of the agreement. So I would say sort of don't be shy and, and push for change if you've got the opportunity to.
0: Wow. That's very cool. I have to think about that one, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if we look at other players now, going beyond say banks specifically, uh, such as financial service providers, in fact, such as vendors like TIS, what do you see as their role? Um, you know, for example, one of the things I was thinking about was certainly the data. You know, really being able to collect and bring data together and create connectivity. Yeah. Does this make sense? Does this is absolutely,
1: in? yeah. It's all about ESG data. You know, ESG data is huge, but it's also complex. It, it's sometimes rare. It's uh difficult to get hold of. You don't know whether it's the right data. It's also something of a hot potato, and not everyone wants to be sitting on data from their suppliers around ESG. Um, so treasurers definitely want help with that, or they certainly will in the future. It's the right data on time delivered securely data they can trust um and data to help them make decisions so if we go back to what we spoke about around sustainable payments you know is this the best payment method to use that could kind of fit in almost like sanction screening for example if we think mm-hmm. about tis you know will there be a day when we could see an esg screening tool for the for the payments that we're about to yeah. make so i think Absolutely. it's yeah it's really around sort of um helping with esg data and the delivery streamlining workflows around esg um, and making sure that esg is kind of just embedded in everything that the treasurer does it really should be bau and that's what vendors can help with
0: maybe as a final question if you think about giving advice um, if you give advice to treasurers or finance professionals about say how to get started or what would be first steps or uh, you know just generally you know they are so busy etc etc you know what piece of advice would you give them
1: yeah yeah it's tough um alongside the things that I've mentioned around talking to people talking to your peers banks vendors reading um I would say have a have a chat among your treasury team members and see if there's someone that's particularly passionate about ESG. Um, and if there is, then appoint them to be a kind of champion within the ESG team. Within the sorry, within the treasury team, and they can then liaise with other departments and really move things forward. Um, I would also say just don't be afraid. Um, just take the bull by the horns. Treasurers can really no longer afford to ignore ESG or put it on the back burner. It's here and it's happening. So it's better to start somewhere, even if you make slow progress, even if you make a few missteps along the way, start somewhere. So see if you can get an ESG champion in the Treasury team. Have a little read, have a look at integrating ESG into the Treasury policy, and hopefully it will all follow from there.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Eleanor. Uh, This concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and found the insights both interesting and relevant for your company. For more information and resources on this and many other topics, you can visit our website at tispayments.com. Thanks again for, for listening and be sure to check back soon for new episodes.